Hello, I'm Dr. Gloria Horsley, and I'm her daughter, Dr. Heidi Horsley. Heidi and I want to welcome you to Open to Hope Conversations, the podcast. We believe that the greatest gift you can give yourself after a loss is hope, using this moment to connect with others who have not only survived, but thrived. So let's get started. Welcome to the Open to Hope Show. I'm your host, Dr. Gloria Horsley, with my daughter and co-host. Dr. Heidi Horsley. Well, Heidi, today we're going to talk about healing your shattered soul. We've got so many people out there who've had losses, and they're wondering how to, they're feeling that shattered soul, and they're wondering how that they can deal with it. And we've got such a courageous guest on today who is going to give you some great tips and advice and help on how you can get through if you feel like you're not going to be able to make it. So Heidi, you want to introduce our guest today? Sure, I'd love to. Our guest today is Mindy Corporan. Mindy is the founder of Faith Always Wins Foundation. She has a podcast called Real Grief, Real Healing. And she is the author of the book, Healing a Shattered Soul, which is a book about her search for inspiration and hope after domestic terrorism took the lives of her father and her son. Welcome to the show, Mindy. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Gloria and Dr. Heidi. So nice to be on your show. Oh, it's great to have you on. And, and first of all, tell people your story because it, it's an incredible story. And for you to come from there to where you are today is a pretty amazing thing. Thank you. I appreciate that. I have not done it alone. So there are many people along the way and certainly prayer and faith have been um, holding me up along the path. Yes, yeah, so my story that we're discussing today, the shattered soul that I still have and will always have, um, it is healing, happened on April 13th, 2014. Uh, we were living in Overland Park, Kansas at the time, and a white supremacist um, came into Kansas. He uh, planned this attack. He planned to murder Jews uh, in Overland Park on that day, and he went to the Jewish Community Center to murder people first. And he found my father and son there. They had literally just pulled in and he ambushed my father, murdering him on contact with a gunshot wound to the chest. And then he uh, pointed the gun at my son and shot him through the um, driver's side door. And my son was sitting in the passenger seat. And my son subsequently died um, probably about 40 minutes, right? 40 minutes after that. And um, the shooter left that building, that scene. He shot at other people. He shot up the building. And then he left that scene and he went to Village Shalom and shot at other people and he murdered one other person. And I'm always careful to mention Terry Lomano because she also lost her life on that day. And our foundation, Faith Always Wins, represents all three lives lost that day. Wow, wow. And your dad was a physician, was that right? Yes, a medical physician. Yes, he was. Yeah, family practice my whole life. And how old did you say your son was when he died? Reet was 14 at his death. I don't, I don't know that I said. My dad was 69 and still working. Our second son was 12 at the time, and he is now 19. Wow. Wow. This is a very traumatic and heartbreaking story, I have to say. I mean, you had not only one, but two family members die, your father and your son, and they were murdered. Yes, it was so violent. It was violent and I came upon it. So I didn't go into that much detail, but I found them in the parking lot. I was, I was the fourth person in the parking lot after the shoot shooting had occurred. And it was, you know, by an act of God that Lucas's lacrosse game got canceled. He's our younger son. 
and I had driven there unexpectedly. Um, I wasn't planning to be there. And then I drove there unexpectedly. And unfortunately, I found them. But fortunately, I found them. It was it, it has ended up being very meaningful to me that I was the last family member that saw them alive. And I was the um, family member who found them. Wow. So I, I guess I'm wondering, and I'm sure my mom is, how do you even begin to heal your shattered soul after this happens? Yeah. So I would tell you that you don't even know how shattered you are for about two years after something like that. Mm -hmm. So what I had to learn how to do first was just breathe and eat. Like mm -hmm. literally you become an infant after that happens, after a trauma that is that significant. So for your listeners, if someone feels, you know, like they haven't healed yet, they may not have even realized how shattered they were. I, I didn't know how shattered I was until about two years in. Mm -hmm. And I um, was working very diligently to heal my son, Lucas, mm -hmm. who again had been 12 and at 13 was suicidal and at 14 was suicidal. And when he came out of his um, second need for treatment, he was at Research Medical Center and they did a fantastic job, but um, he gets triggered by his own birthday. And so when his birthday came around, he had um, you know, guilt, survivor's guilt. Mm -hmm. and sibling guilt. And so the second time he came out of that, a friend of mine recommended a shaman healer for yeah. Lucas, for Lucas and for me. And so, and I had tried things. I mean, I had walk, I'd been walking, I had done yoga, I journaled, I mean, all, you know, lots of things to meditate. Right. I'd also found it okay to be angry at God. So all of those things had happened along the way, but at two years in, we took Lucas to see this woman and um, she did a lot of energy work on him. Mm -hmm. And um, while I listened to her talk to him, I realized how shattered we really were. I had no idea how shattered my soul was. And so then I started really the harder, the work at finding how to pick up the pieces of my soul and who am I now, everything I do, everything I do in my life stems from their murders. And, and what I do is help people in a variety of different ways through different avenues. Mm -hmm. So that's how you made meaning out of your loss. Yes, definitely yeah. made meaning out of my loss. Yes. And I, when I step into a new, like a new interview or a new piece of uh, adventure, so we are opening a company, um, we've opened it called Workplace Healing, and it's to help corporations reintegrate employees after they've had a trauma. Because People don't know, humans in general don't know what to say. Sometimes they don't know what not to say and right. they don't know what to do. And so we're building um, a content and a software to help managers get training on this. And it's very fulfilling and I am enjoying it, but I also every so often really catch myself very emotional about it because I would not be doing this if they had not been murdered. Right. right. I just how wouldn't. Many, how many years has it been for our audience? It's been seven years. They were murdered April 13th of 2014. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Seven years. I, I don't know. I think a lot of people don't realize that seven years is not that long after you've had the kind of trauma you've had and the kind of loss. And we work a lot with bereaved parents and I am a bereaved parent and seven years is not a long time. It is not. And, the, and he's also missing and we are missing milestones in his life. I mean, we missed high school graduation. We missed homecomings. We missed proms. 
We missed going to college. All his friends are now graduating. They graduated. They, some of them graduated in May of 2020. They were college COVID graduates. Um, he would be in graduate school right now. I know that. So, and then a couple of his friends are getting married. So we we are missing every single milestone that that we take for granted because he was murdered at 14. I mean, he drove a car, but never by himself because he wasn't fully licensed. Um, we joke about the fact that my dad let him drive on a highway in, um, 2013, they went, um, they went turkey hunting in Oklahoma in November of 13. And my dad got there and then told me that he was letting Reet practice drive on the highway, but that's the only time, you know, you don't realize that he got to drive on the highway. He got to go turkey hunting. I imagine those little things now bring you great comfort. They do. Well, you can tell them smiling about them. Yeah. Humor. I, I was thinking humor is so great. And yes. then Heidi has that sibling loss piece. I'm sure she's thinking when you're talking about this, about what your other son is dealing with. Right, Heidi? Well, I was thinking that the, the younger one is now older than his older brother. And yes. has for some time. Yes. Yes. So he was, yes, he was suicidal at 13. He, the, the murders happened when he was 12. And he went a full year until March, till his birthday before he presented as suicidal. And uh, he, had, he had care then. And then the next year, same thing. So when he turned 15, we were more prepared for him to hit that road bump, hit that speed bump. And he was as well. His, um, and then he graduated high school and his freshman year in college, he called me two weeks before his birthday. And he said, I'm not feeling right. Mm -hmm. And I said, what, what day is today? And he's like, oh, it's almost my birthday. And I said, what happens around your birthday? And so we had some conversation about that. And I said, it's okay to not feel right. It's okay to process it differently. You know, let, let your friends know what's going on right now. And so he did, and, and he's more aware of it. But yes, he's needed significant care. And he's, um, he's one of the most mature 19-year-olds and very um, self-aware of all that, because of all the counseling and, and conversations that we've had about death. Did he do any peer support? Yes, he received peer support, but that was structured at Research Medical Center. He, mm -hmm. was in a, he was in a peer group. I do have a podcast where I interviewed him. So if your listeners have a, a student, a high school or, or a child that they are concerned about, one of my podcasts in December of 2020 was with Lucas, and he talked very openly about, about his... Um, life changes. What are the other, some of the other things that helped your shattered soul? I know that you said energy work was helpful. Energy work was very helpful. And I want to tell you, I didn't know about energy work until then. I had not had any reason to know about it. I don't know that it had ever been introduced to me prior to that. And now Cookie Harvey is one of my best friends and caregivers. And um, let's see. So energy work, um, I learned very quickly to say yes to help. Mm -hmm. I just learned very quickly when someone said, I'd like to bring you food. I said, yes, please. Mm -hmm. And I just said, yes. And because um, I'm an A-type personality, I had opened a company, I'd run a company, I'd had employees, but I was an infant. I mean, trauma turns you into an infant and, and there is no reason to not accept help at that time. Mm -hmm. My mother and, about beginner's mind. Mm-hmm. Beginner's mind, we all start from where we are. My husband died this year and uh, I've been in the grief and loss business for many, many years. And uh, I had to start with beginner's mind again. Mm -hmm. 
Yes. And so the other thing I did a lot of ladies is I um, journaled and that is how I ended up writing healing a shattered soul because I did journal. I didn't know, I didn't consider myself a writer and I hadn't necessarily journaled before that. I mean, I wrote for, I wrote for clients and wrote letters and such, but I journaled every feeling, every emotion. I journaled messages that I got from them. Mm-hmm. Um, I went to our church every Thursday morning and uh, talked to my dad there. I found my dad. I felt his presence and I um, talked to him and cried. And I cannot tell you how important it is to cry, mm-hmm. just to let those feelings out. I tell people when you get that lump in your throat or you get that feeling in your chest, find somewhere where you can let the tears flow because then it cleanses you. It cleanses, it cleanses your soul. And then down in that darkness, I would always hear God's voice say, I'm with you. Mm -hmm. You know, I am with you and I'm very faithful. I'm faithful that I will see them in heaven. And uh, that doesn't mean I don't get angry. I get angry on his birthday. I get angry on holidays Um, and I work through it. I allow myself to feel those emotions and then say to myself, what can I do to make somebody else not feel this way? I like that. Let me ask before we close this show, the perpetrator, did he die? And if, you know, and how have you dealt with your feelings towards him? Very interesting and good question, Gloria. So you were the first interviewer, I think that's asked me that since May 3rd. So let me tell you something very interesting. I published Healing a Shattered Soul on May 3rd, 2021. And you all know that when you publish a book, they, those dates get chosen months ahead of time. Mm-hmm. That date had been selected six months prior. The book got published on May 3rd and the perpetrator died in prison on May 3rd. Oh my gosh. Wow. That could be horrible. Uh-huh. We got a call on May 3rd. And so how did I process that? The most scary thing was that Lucas, our younger son, wanted to talk to him. And we had to circumvent that a few different times when he was underage. But when he became 18, he would have been able to maybe try to reach out to him. And I think luckily he was busy with college and um, I'm grateful that he didn't speak to him. I think he's had to process that a little bit that he hasn't had a, never got the chance to speak to him. Um, I'm grateful that we don't have to worry about his voice any longer. He wanted to ask him why. And I think he wanted an apology. We never had, he never had remorse. We never heard remorse. He never had remorse and that's very painful. So we don't hold that in our heart. You know, we just, you had to go to the trial and everything, right? We didn't. Yes, we did. But we didn't go through the whole trial because every time I left the house for that incident, Lucas wanted to go with me Mm -hmm. and he was following the news as much as any, anyone, he knew exactly what was going on and when it was going on. And so we went three times. We went for the, um, verdict. We went for the, um, victim statements. There were 14 of us uh, who read victim statements between our family and Terry Lomano's family. And Lucas was one of those. Lucas read a victim statement as well as my, my siblings and my mom and I. And then we went for the um, sentencing. The, and he was sentenced to death, uh, to death row because Kansas has the death penalty. But as I said, he died in prison on May 3rd. Did you... Um feel any satisfaction after he died? Only that I don't have to worry about hearing his voice or him spewing his hate because um, Dr. Gloria, he had recently, the two weeks prior to that, filed his appeal. 
-hmm. And it was starting to bubble up in the news again. And it was going to, it bubbled up in the news over about three days. And then it, then it was quiet, but it was going to bubble up again this fall um, when the appeal was being read and, and um, talked about. And so the satisfaction is that his voice is no longer, but I will tell you, I feel badly for his children. I know he has children and um, I feel badly that, you know, that, that he had a life that way. He had a life filled with hate. Um, but other than that, no, no, like no other satisfaction. I didn't think about him often and I never say his name. So he's not really present in my, in my soul anywhere. I like that. He's not present in your soul anywhere. I think our audience, I know who there, there are so many people that I know who've been through these kind of crimes and heinous things. And it is so tough with the jury and going to court and all that. And I love it, the fact that he's not in your soul. And I hope for everyone, he is not in your soul. And you, you're such a great example for everybody. Can you tell people how to get your book and your podcast and how they can get to know you even yes. more? Yes, I can. Thank you. The easiest way to find me is by my website and it's my name. It's Mindy Corcoran. So it's just www.mindycorcoran.com. And you'll find my podcast on there. You'll find how to order my book. My book is titled Healing a Shattered Soul, and it is available where all books are available. Anywhere, anywhere you can find a book, it's available. Oh, so wonderful to have you on the show today. And it's, uh, you're inspiring. You really are. And uh, God bless to your whole family. Thank you. Well, I appreciate what you all are doing for others. You're, you're doing this also for your own healing, which yeah. I know and understand completely. And I appreciate you all as well. Thank you. Well, Mindy, thank you. I agree with my mom and I can feel the light in you and it's amazing. And you are an inspiration to all of us that you can have joy and hope despite traumatic losses in your life. So yes. Thank you. thank you, Heidi. And thanks everybody for joining us on the show today. And Heidi and I hope that you'll visit us at opentohope.com. And Heidi and I always want to remind you that if you've lost hope, please lean on ours until you find your own and God bless. I'm Dr. Heidi Horsley. You have been listening to Open to Hope, the podcast. You can follow Open to Hope on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. To learn more, visit us at opentohope.com and go to Apple Podcasts to subscribe. I'm Dr. Gloria Horsley. Join us again next week for another Open to Hope conversation, where we invite you to lean on our hope until you find your own.